This is True Combo. I'm your host, Marcus Driscoll, and today, my guest is Nick Williams. Nick, how you doing, buddy? I'm hanging in there. How about you, my guy? Oh, I'm doing great. So, Nick, what have you been playing recently? Uh, a lot of Warframe, okay. for better or for worse. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I started Dark Souls 3, like, in the last week. Okay. And it's been a pain, but, like, it's Dark Souls, so that's the point. Right. It's also my first Dark Souls game ever. And I've gotten to learn firsthand that invasions are a thing that just happen. <laughs> and people just like, you know, ruining I, the fun. Um, So I have, like, a lot of friends who are, like, into Dark Souls, and I own Dark Souls 3. Mm. Haven't played it. Uh, I, got, I picked it up in, like, a Humble Bundle for, like, $15 uh, or something. Yeah, I got it on sale and then didn't touch it for months. Right. Played probably, like, halfway through the first one. And I just stopped. I don't know why. I think it was just because, like, but, like whenever I started playing it, it was a little bit of an older game. And so, like, um, not that, like, it hasn't aged well, but, like, there was also some, like, other releases coming up. And so I think I just kind of, you know, fell out of it. Right. Sure. And then I really, I do really want to get back into Dark Souls 3 because what I've heard is, like, if you haven't played, if you're not, like, super into Dark Souls and you want to give it a chance, start with 3 and then go back. Yeah. That's, I mean, it seems friendly enough to a, to a person having never played Dark Souls before. Right. Um. That being said, it's still, I would not know what I was doing if I didn't have people guiding me. Yeah, I've also heard it's like a, it, like you can make it through the game if you don't know what you're doing, mm. but um, it's a pretty like big. Um, you don't get a whole lot of curve. direction, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, which I mean, I'm typically I'm fine with that. I would much rather a game give me like not much direction, no tutorial, and just throw me in than have like a super handholdy right. like two hour tutorial with like annoying shit popping up on your screen. Yeah. And Warframe. Warframe is another game that I've tried before, but mm. I haven't really given it a fair chance on PC. So, like, my thing with Warframe, I'm really honest about it. I like games that have a grind. Sure. Like, Pokemon is the first thing that comes to mind. It's not the most grindy game ever, but, like, considering I have almost 400 hours on Pokemon Y and most of that was spent breeding Pokemon. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> like okay, the most I'm, grindy thing I'm, in the world. I'm okay with the grind. And so... Sure. Warframe is interesting in a lot of ways because it's a free-to-play game. Sure. And like, and it's super in-depth. It's without question the most complex free-to-play game I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and it's like high-quality gameplay. The game feels really good to play. They got the physics and the motion worked out super well. Yeah. The guns are neat and interesting. But then the things that people don't like that I perfectly understand are it's not pay-to-win. Yeah. It's pay-to-fast-forward. So, like, there's an argument of... There's finding this weird balance of like, well, if you just pay for everything and just get all the items and the stuff, like what's that? There's nothing else to, you know, yeah. what are you doing? But at the same time, some of the grinds for some of the items are absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Like, because crafting things takes time. Like, like the Warframes, the suits you wear, yeah. it takes, once you collect all of the items, regardless, you know, whatever it may be, the frame itself, you hit craft and it takes three days. Like real life in like oh my God. real time days, 72 hours before yeah. you can even touch it. That's insane. So that that's I mean that's an example. And so and you can you can pay the premium in-game currency to speed that up. Right. You could also pay even way more currency to just straight up buy the frame. Is there like a subscription model too? Yeah, um it's so it's called Prime Access. Okay. Um and so like in the game there are like prime versions of weapons and frames and it's the same as like the normal version just with a uh, a couple stat increases and sure. they look cool as hell. Okay. Um all of the things that you can buy with with the premium currency are like you can get it in game. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing locked behind a behind a paywall. Okay. Um, it's just it's more that time wall than anything right. than a paywall if that makes sense. So like I 
I buy some of the currency. Um, but like every every day that you log in, when the like the server time refreshes, yeah. you get like a daily reward like for logging in. It's just okay, yeah. ranging depending on what day it is. There are like milestone days, like twenty five, fifty, sure. hundred. Um, on the big milestone days, you get and the premium currency is called platinum. Um, okay. you get discount codes for the platinum. So ev- the only times I've bought platinum is when I get a discount code for it. That makes sense. Um, and that makes it pretty reasonable to get like chunks of currency that are like helpful and usable. But I also don't feel like I'm just draining money into yeah. the game. I've still paid less money into this game than I would for like a, a full price AAA title. That makes sense. You know? Yeah. And uh, I've definitely been um, caught in like a similar trap before with games where it's like, it's a free game, but um, you end up paying money for you know like cosmetics or you know whatever sure um like league of legends mm-hmm. whenever i was like really heavy into league uh i i probably dropped like easily over 200 dollars in that game i mean just that's like fair. you know over time like sure i don't know that was just a game that i was playing a lot and i was just like i'm gonna buy a skin for this champion that yeah. i started playing and so like that was Dude, I don't know, that's where all the money went i think it's a perfectly good good justification i don't see really the issue with putting a good chunk of money into a free-to-play game or you know money that you don't have to put into the game if right. you don't want to because the way I see it, for me, video games are one of the few things that I do in my free time to, like, have fun and relax. Yeah. I don't feel bad putting money into the thing right. that I'm enjoying spending my time doing. Exactly. And, like, that brings up, like, an interesting point because, like, a lot of people who, like, aren't really into, like, games um, will say, like, oh, why would I want to, like, sit down and waste my time doing this when I could just, like, be like, do- going out doing something else? And it's, like, I understand that because if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. But you can't really say that, like, I'm wasting my time playing or right. my, wasting my money playing right. when it's some, when it's the thing that I enjoy, like whenever it makes me happy doing that thing. Sure. And it's, uh, it's a great hobby, and I've met and made so many friends. It's worth it, essentially. Right. I mean, if, if, if it's your thing, it's worth it. If you're yeah. not somebody that plays video games, well, duh, obviously you're not going to put money and time into it. Yeah. But, like, for, for us, it's our hobby. Right. You know? Exactly. So... And you know, obviously, like, there's a line of an appropriate amount of money to put yeah. into, like, a game where you could hypothetically put an endless amount of money into it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, we all have heard the story or seen the person that, like, put way too much of maybe their parents' money into, yeah. <laughs> into, <laughs> into like, loot boxes and Overwatch or some yeah, shit. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. So um, I think there's definitely a line. But I guess the, the TLDR for Warframe is it's super grindy. I understand why people who don't like it don't like it. Right. Um, but I think it's definitely a game that if you like fast-paced, really satisfying just combat, it's worth giving a shot. Yeah, I, def- I definitely will because um, I've seen Tim play some of it and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really interested. If, and if you're not a fan of the grind, you know, you're not a fan of the grind and then you just pick it up every once in a while to basically feel like you're playing Genji times 15 <laughs> sure because yeah. all of the all of the, the gameplay movement feels like genji but better yeah essentially yeah i'm i think i will check that out for sure it's worth just to like screw around and murder stuff mindlessly for a while if that's all it is yeah you know? um so let me let you in on some some games that i've been playing recently let's hear it i've been playing a lot of tetris 99 yeah on the switch yeah and so for like people who don't know tetris 99 is um tetris battle royale and that it sounds ridiculous it really does you're essentially just playing tetris against 98 other people um but whenever you clear like a ton of lines at once or you get like uh, a t switch or a t flip whatever the fuck it's called i don't know i'm not good at tetris uh, well. um then you <laughs> you send you send your opponent's lines and so like it'll fill up their screen and so oh. it's the last person alive wins and i'm not like i don't know i've never been like super good at tetris uh, i i like it because i like puzzle games sure but um i've just been really involved in tetris 99 and like i don't know why i think it's just because it's so fast paced that like i don't know you lose you get back in you play another one right and like 
um, I've gotten better at Tetris just playing it because, sure. like, um, whenever I first started, I would get out at, like, the 80s, the 70s, or something like that, and I was like, damn, I'm awful. LOL. <laughs> so, like, but now, like, the highest I've gotten is, like, rank 12 out of, like, 98, and, like, I'm consistently placing, like, in the 20s, the 30s, so, like, Obvious improvement. Yeah, and, like, I've been playing this game for, like, a week and a half, two weeks, but, like, just whenever there's some downtime, I'm away from my PC, pull out my Switch, play some Tetris 99. Yeah, dude. Dude, that game it fucking it's, slaps. It, I, I knew you were <laughs> yeah. gonna say slaps. I could feel it coming. I could feel it. Um... I'm glad your Tetris is slapping, Marcus. Right. The other game that I've been playing, and this is the game that I've devoted the most time to recently, mm. is Slime Rancher. Yeah, I've heard about it. Yes. And so it was free on Epic Games. Um, and by the time this episode goes up, uh, I believe that Oxenfree is going to be free on. Uh, but Slime Rancher is a very casual, like, kind of laid back, just farming sim, essentially. Um, you just collect, like, these little cute little slimes, put them in pens, feed them the food that they like. And they poop, call and their poop's called plorts. And uh-huh. you pick it up, and it's just these rocks, uh, and you sell them. And uh-huh. there's, like, a bunch of different, like, slimes, and you have to go out and adventure to find other ones. And the game, I don't know what it is about it that's just so hypnotizing. I think it's just because, like, the music slaps. Sure. And the slimes are just so cute. I just love those boys, Nick. <laughs> I understand. I get it. Yeah, I've, I think I've probably dumped, like, 40 hours into that game. It sounds like it probably has similar appeal to, like, Stardew Valley type yeah, games. Yeah, it's, it really is. But, like, um, I think another thing that Slime Rancher kind of achieves is, like, where Stardew Valley's um, definitely, like, you know, a casual game. Mm. Um, it kind of has, like, a big learning curve to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Slime Rancher doesn't. It's just, like, suck up slimes, put them in a pen, sell their poop. Rinse and repeat. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Fair. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, you could condense Stardew Valley to make it sound like that. Sure. But, like, coming from someone who's dumped a lot of hours into both, Slime Rancher is way easier to get into. Sure. Um, yeah. It's just such a cute game. So fun. Right. So is it is it a situation, like, with Epic right now where if you download it, it, like, it's free right now, but then, like, you can't play it anymore after tomorrow? No, it's in your library forever. Oh. Yeah, so. Okay, good to yeah, know. Yeah. Good to but, know. But, uh, unfortunately, by the time this episode goes up, Slime Rancher will no longer be free. Well, that's a big um, rip right there. Yep. But. Oxenfree will be, and it'll, uh, you'll, it'll stay in your library forever. All right. So. Fair. Even if you never download it and never play it. Exactly. You can just feel good about <laughs> the fact that you got it. So some industry news. Uh, Devil May Cry 5 released, um, and it's been getting great reviews. I have heard very good things, and i got to be honest, Marcus. I've never played Devil May Cry. I've played – okay, so anybody who's a fan of Devil May Cry is probably going to turn this podcast off after I say this. <laughs> uh, I played the reboot Devil May Cry, so mm-hmm. DMC Devil May Cry. Mm-hmm. Came out after 4. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I can I completely understand why people who are a fan of the first four games didn't like it because it was a reboot. It was like uh, essentially bastardizations of characters that they've known forever. Sure, right. Um, but I really enjoyed it, and it, it had that same kind of fluid combat that um, like hack and slash that the other DMC games did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm I'm really excited to pick up five. Uh, I know Tim has a copy uh, that he hasn't touched yet. Um, I've had I have a few friends who have played it and beaten it already i have heard that the campaign's a little short interesting uh but is there a mul- is it a multiplayer like is there multiplayer no it's okay. a single player game but gotcha. um like i said i heard the campaign's a little short but 100 percent the game if you if you're into that mm-hmm. it'll it'll take a while yeah i was gonna ask what's like replayability look like replayability in the dmc games are pretty fun uh like as far as i know uh mm-hmm. that's what i've heard for the other games and in dmc devil may cry i've played that i've played through that game probably like five times wow yeah and i'm i'm not really one to like go back and sure do that kind of thing but um just it has some of the most like satisfying combat and like mm-hmm. it's one of the only like modern games that kind of gets the player 
entrenched in like getting a high score you know what i mean uh-huh, and so okay. like whatever you go into like this big group fight then like the flashier you your combo then you'll get like a higher score and mm. it's it just has a very like rewarding like tactile feel to it sure it's yeah i don't know it's just it's fun it's definitely of the videos i've seen especially the trailers they do a good job of making the trailers look badass oh yeah um, yeah but like it looks like it it would satisfy that normal primal i want to kill things with a sword itch yep yep um and so it's it's uh, one of those games, and there are so many titles like this that have been like vaguely on my radar for a really long time. Yeah, and I just like can never get that far through the list to yeah. get down to them. But I don't know, maybe with with Devil May Cry Five coming out, I may. Is it a uh, console exclusive? No, it's on PC also. On, okay, yeah. then in that case, that may be a like a summer game for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I think I'm gonna pick it up. Uh, probably not like you know immediately, mm. um, but I'm gonna be picking it up soon. After that, though, speaking of PC games, mm. Halo Master Chief Collection. This is what I'm excited for. Yeah. So the main reason being, so I have a minimal relationship with Halo because I, the only console or Game Boy stuff that I had was Nintendo in my yeah. house growing up until I got an Xbox 360, like junior year of high school. Sure. And really just played Skyrim on it, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And then like eight months after I got that Xbox, I built my PC and never looked back. Yeah. Um. So I, my only exposure to Halo when I was younger was at friend's house, like getting yep. spawn killed in multiplayer yeah, by exactly. my friend's <laughs> older brothers and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and then towards the end of high school, I like uh, overnighted Halo Reach split screen with a friend. Yeah. Um, just like couch co-opted it like all nighter start to finish in one sitting play yeah. through reach. It was awesome. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I, it was so, it really enjoyed it. Yeah. Very much enjoyed it. So that being said, if the rest of the games are anything like Halo Reach at all, I'm excited for this because now I get to finally play Halo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, essentially. Exactly. I'm in a very similar boat because, like, uh, like you, I had Nintendo consoles, and then like whenever, I don't know, whenever like in middle school, high school, whenever I was just like, oh, Nintendo's for babies. Lol. Then like, uh, you know, I got a, I got a PlayStation, and mm. like that was kind of what I played on, and I would go over to friends' houses who had an Xbox, and we would play Halo, and like you said, just get spawn killed. Sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was just mindless multiplayer, Rudy, 2D, right. point and shooty. But I've, I had fun. Like, whenever, you know, after the first few rounds, whenever I was getting spawn killed, and then, like, you know, I got good. Sure. Or, like, you know, uh, better. Figure out how to use both of the joysticks at yeah. the same time. <laughs> Halo is one of those games that's been on my list for so long that I just have never had the chance to play because I've never had an Xbox. Right. And so, like, now that, like, the entire collection is coming to Steam, I'm super excited about Oh, yeah. That. I'm, I plan on getting it. All of oh, it. Oh, for sure. All yeah. of it. Because... Well, and mainly because of the multiplayer draw right. of that game. Yeah, and, like, Halo 3 had one of the most like comprehensive and like successful multiplayer communities of all time Mm. and like just being able like now that that's going to come back right that's insane that's crazy yep and and the fact that it's going to come back in the pc community right because it's going to be halo games that no longer have a performance cap on them right yeah and arguably a more toxic community but hey that's a different conversation what are you gonna do (laughs) (laughs) play some halo um so yeah that's that's probably the thing uh one of the games that i'm looking uh, the most forward to yeah i'm hyped so let's get into the the big big old chunk of news the big old the big old the big chungus yep a few days ago uh google announced their quote-unquote console right uh this is google stadia mm. uh and it's a game streaming service and whenever i first heard about it i was like oh whatever like <laughs> right. that's gonna be shitty like right because like we've seen other ga- other companies try to do a game streaming service mm-hmm. and uh i have a friend who um has a mac and so like some of the games before they got like a virtual machine running um they would use the streaming service on their iMac I and have personal experience with stuff like that right yeah. and like um and it could get it gets you by 
but it's not very it's kind of laggy yes it's rough it's it's it it's not immersive it it destroys immersion for sure it does but google stadia has come out with like essentially all new like networking technologies and in an attempt to make sure that this is different and that and I honestly think that they have a pretty good chance. Sure, of like if, if anybody can do it, it's either Google or Microsoft. Right, and I and I don't know. I whenever I heard I, I heard the rumors that Google was coming out with the console and they were mm. about to like announce it, and I, I was like, I was like, mm, this is gonna be shitty. I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking about the Steam console. Like, right. yeah, it's like, like the why? Steam Link. The Steam Link. I have one. Um, it's pretty garbage. It just doesn't <laughs> seem like it has a place in the quote meta unquote. Yeah, you know, I feel you. It really doesn't. And like, I don't know. I got it because I was like, oh great, now I can play PC games from my couch but um it just feels bad right but the thing that i'm most excited for with it is not necessarily that i can stream games anywhere it's just kind of the precedent that they're setting with some of their policies right one of them is like uh state shares so you can have a save state like you're playing an emulator um have like the exact same resources world everything like that make it a link send it to your friend and they can play from that save state which is insane that's crazy yeah it's insane well, and so and so then here's my question: Can that friend take that save state and hang on to it and like make it? You can just like hold on to it indefinitely and just quote I don't know finish the game from there. Yeah, like they've said that you like you can have an an infinite number of save states. So this is just going to be a situation of hey, this part's too hard. Can you do it for me? Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and then just send, <laughs> send your game to, your to somebody. Yeah. Um, so some of the other specs that they've uh, talked about with this. Um, is that they're they say that they're capable of streaming 4K at 60 FPS. Which okay, okay. So he, as somebody who works in live streaming, like like right. that's insane. Yeah, like I think that's insane. Some of the and I've seen some really valid criticism of that part, and that's that um, like Google servers are going to be able to handle that. No problem. Sure, they have the infrastructure. Right, but the issue is uh, people's ISPs because like we've already seen. Thank God my internet doesn't have a data cap on it. Right, but like. There's already like ISPs who have data caps for people, and right. so if you're playing games at 4K, 60 FPS, you're gonna chew through that so oh, fast, yeah, super fast. Yeah, um, and you, we've already seen that with stuff like you know 4K streaming on Netflix, and right. like some people's internet's just not good enough for that. Right. And so like, I'm sure that you know some people are just gonna bump it down to 1080. Mm. Um, but and it's not like that's a big deal because like you know 1080 is great. But right. I'm excited to see what happens with it, but I'm just I'm nervous just because of the concept of a of a streaming game service. Right. Um, and some of the things that they've taken into account to try to combat that is that um, you can use your own controller if you like. You can use mm-hmm. an Xbox controller, PS4 controller, whatever. Right. Um, but if you use their proprietary Google controller, it uses your Wi-Fi connection to connect to their network. So mm-hmm. your controller is connected to uh, wherever they're streaming the, the game. The controller becomes the new router, essentially. Right. Like uh, the the controller doesn't have to go through like I don't know like a million hoops to right. get to the to get to the server yeah. so that I can input your control. So it should lessen latency. Sure. Is what is what they're saying. Right. Um. And that they have like it's like seventy five hundred plus end nodes and it's like undersea like fiber cable. Right. Like they've really emphasized speed and trying to reduce latency. Right. And yeah. So no. Like, and all the stuff that I watched, it seemed like the whole thing was really making it known that like no lag. Right. Yeah. And like I, I really want to believe it, but right. it's kind of one of those things where we're just gonna have to wait and see. Right. Yeah. I if. If the claims they're making are all true, this is going to be an absolute game changer oh, for yeah. the entire industry. And the thing that that kind of like so surprised me was like I feel like we needed more steps to hear. 
Yeah. Like, we had to have the Wii and the Wii U before we got the Switch. Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. we had to have the Wii that was okay, the Wii U that was an attempt to be better but was worse. Yeah. And then they finally got their shit together on round three, and we got the Switch, and it's amazing. Right. Uh, I feel like we should have had, like, the first Google streaming, and it's like garbage game streaming yeah yeah I, I just feel like this came out of nowhere yeah it really did like, like just the, the stuff that they're saying is insane like and if it was any other company i'd be like that's bullshit right, but, but like google, google has the money to do yeah, but to it, pull it right off. um and it just seems like a wild investment that i if it doesn't work out that's a lot of money that they're gonna lose right so they must really think it will i don't know but again if there's any company that can lose a lot of money and be okay it's also <laughs> it's google, google. Yeah. yeah another one of the policies that they have that i'm really excited about is um, their openness to cross-platform. Right. Um, just, you know, they haven't said, like, oh, we're going to be cross-platform compatible with everything. They said that, like, we want to be. Sure. If, if they'll allow us to, we sure. will. Um, but that's a two-way street kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. But the, the the bigger picture to that is that they're going to have cross-platform saves. Right. And so that's the coolest thing to me because, right. I like, I'm a person who has, you know, copies of games on, you know, different consoles. Just being able to, like, pick it up, and put it on my PC, or pick it up like a PC game and put it on my PS4. Yep, that'll be great. Yep, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm super excited for that. Um, well, it also means, uh, like, so for example, my roommate has a PS4, but before I lived with him, if I wanted to do anything PS4 related, I would have to go to his place or whatever. Yeah, that the, stuff like that can be eliminated. Like, right? Because if uh, if you because if you can take a game somewhere, I'm sure there will be ways to send a game somewhere. And right. You can be like, hey, you want to play my, you know, my PS4 exclusive game that I have on your Xbox? Yeah, that'd be yeah, that's nuts. Um, but and then we get into the whole conversation of what would that do to the whole concept of console exclusive games? Right. Like if that becomes a regular thing and this Google Stadia is good and accessible to people, right? It could like insta kill the. And, that, and see, that's the thing is like I I don't think that Stadia is going to be compatible on PS4, or Xbox 360 because they'll like want to keep their proprietariness because it, it makes right. them no longer unique anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And so like I think that it, we're really going to see kind of um, Stadia reach out mm. to people and kind of get spurned, sure. um, especially with Nintendo because Nintendo's very hesitant with their IPs. But sure. Um, but then they talked about Google Games and Entertainment. Their, their yeah, studio. Their own studio. So, like, that, it seems like they at least have a core to sit on of, right. like, their own studio. So, it, so maybe there will be Stadia-exclusive games. Oh, yeah. I'm um, guessing. We also saw that they are heavily, um, like, kind of pointing this service at streamers mm -hmm. and uh, content creators. Right. Because um, we saw that one part in um, the announcement where, at the end of the trailer, there's a little play button on the window in mm. YouTube, you click on it, and less than five seconds later, you're playing the game. Right. That's crazy. That's right. insane. No, that is insane. And that's one of the biggest things in terms of, like, like, do you have the the tech and the infrastructure and, like, just the raw data to back this up? Of, yeah. Like, that's a big thing to be able to do in terms of the tech be needed behind that. Right. And especially how they demonstrated that. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't they say we looked for a not great computer to do this on? Oh yeah. And they showed a not good laptop, uh, you know, as far as we know, I'm right. only assumed that they were being truthful about that. Um, streaming like high quality 4k 60 FPS right. gaming, because then what does that do to the, the, the gaming PC industry? Yeah. That's yeah. Just things like this. If this is a, if this is successful, it's gonna turn the entire industry up on its head. Oh, absolutely. Um, another thing that they have is crowd play. So like, you know, if you're watching a streamer or a content creator, um, and they say like, hey, here's the link, join me in the game, mm. and you can. Sure. And like, uh, the and the streamer can also be like, hey, you know, 
Uh, I, I think I've seen things say that like um, they can set up like a like a donation box for it. So mm-hmm. like if you want to play a game, then it's like five dollars, and you get to play with your streamer. Gotcha. That's cool. Um, that's a nice source of income. Right. For especially, I feel like that's really good for streamers starting out that have a small but like loyal fan base. Yeah. You know, like people that have like couple thousand people as opposed sure. to you know they're the the massive mega streamers right, yeah. or whatever but people that are just like trying to build themselves up i feel like that would be a good way to get more income without making the platform more ad heavy yeah you know exactly i'm excited to see what comes out of this the only and here's here's the big oof here's right. the big caveat is that we have not seen any kind of price plans for this we no. have no idea how much it's going to no. cost and how will it be implemented if it's right. if, it, if it's a virtual console type thing will it be like a subscription service i'm sure it's like uh, like another youtube premium but more expensive right. and so w- will it be monthly yeah you know? i think i think the the most successful way that they could do this is make it a monthly subscription where they have a massive library of games that you can just pick up and play any of them. Right. But um, I could also see them kind of going the shittier route, and that's mm-hmm. like you pay a subscription for the streaming, and then you also have to buy the games that you want to sure. play. Possible. I mean, maybe I don't know if this would count as prediction. It also could be a situation of monthly subscription service based on amount of games you want in your library. I would like yeah, I would I like a, a monthly subscription for three games, and sure. so you pick three games for right. the month, and then at the beginning of your next subscription, and it you know price is different based on how many games and what games you know like AAA titles versus like indie style games, yeah. stuff like that. Um, another big thing. This is Stadia is kind of the first real attempt at significantly reducing piracy in video games right because um piracy whether you do it or not whether you know you're uh very against it Mm -hmm. or you know kind of neutral whatever sure um it's an important part of the industry um we see this with music especially Mm -hmm. music uh for the longest time everybody was just pirating things but now we have so many streaming services that make it easier than pirating right where it's like i can just pay you know 15 dollars a month i don't have to worry about sketchy downloads i don't have to worry about you know waiting to get the music downloaded on my computer and then put it on my device i just have it all the time everywhere and it doesn't take up any space and so that was that was a great way at you know reducing piracy in the music industry and now this is something that we have with video games right or potentially potentially assuming that it works out well right and so like I don't know. Whenever uh, music streaming services first came out, I was like, why would I ever do that? Like, I can just get the same stuff for free. And now, but eventually, and now everybody and their mother has Spotify. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Whenever you're whenever you're a kid and you're heavily into, you know, PC gaming and stuff and you don't have any money, you're going to pirate. I did right. for the longest time. I can't tell you the last time I, you know, downloaded uh, like a pirated game. Sure. It's been forever. I haven't I had a need because like Steam sales are great and Steam's right there. And it's uh, really my bit. Like you said, not worried about bad files. Yeah. Like that's my biggest thing. I, I care about my PC a lot because sure. I put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into building it. And oh, yeah. I do not want to brick my PC just because I didn't feel like paying $15 for a game. Exactly. And so like if Stadia comes out and it's at a reasonable price point, I could definitely see that becoming the new standard for the market. Sure. Um, what do you think is a reasonable price point? If if it performs exactly as they describe it, like, and there aren't any kinks or bugs, if you were to get exactly what they've advertised, what do you think the appropriate price would be? And also, what do you think the actual price is going to be? Okay. And this is, this is I'm pulling these numbers out of my ass. Sure. I mean, that's the point. Um, There's I nowhere think else that they could come from. Reason, if it performs exactly like they say it will, reasonably, I could see $50. A month? Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay for that, but I think it's reasonable. Sure. That is something that would be reasonable for streamers, people who play games for a living, or people who spend a lot of time playing video games for whatever good or bad reasons in their life. Right. Um, I I don't know. I think a lot of it depends on the library. That would be a casual price, though. Right. I think it really depends on the library. Yeah. Because, like, 
I think a big part of whether Stadia makes it or not is going to be developers. Um, how much how how much money their developers going to be making off of it? Sure. It, and making ports of a game is hard. It's sure. very resource and time intensive. Well, see, that's the beautiful thing is that since like um, Stadia is running off of PC hardware, then like if a game's built for PC, it it's made for be, Stadia. Sure. So um, I don't know. I like I said. I, if it depends on how much money Google's going to be giving them or how much right. money uh, Google's going to take a cut. Because if it's a streaming service with a subscription pay model, then they're not going to be making $60 on every game. No. Uh, and so it just depends, you know, what they're willing to right. make on that. But Right. Yeah, I, I'm, I think money is going to be very interesting in how all of this plays out on both the, the business side and the consumer side. It's sure. going to be very interesting just because we're getting into very, like, this is the least tangible gaming platform, physically speaking, yeah. yet hypothetically exactly there's like nothing to touch nothing there's no box to take home from the store and plug into the wall you know yeah we'll see it'll be interesting i think yeah i'm really excited for it and it's this year so like that yeah, that, we'll all, find that out. also yeah. <laughs> real quick what blew, first of all came out of nowhere also second of all releasing this year yeah it's insane it's crazy it's insane we'll find out so another thing that we were set to talk about today is just kind of how the state of the industry and how developers treat their consumers and how consumers treat their developers. Right. Um, or like, you know, some of their favorite developers. And I, I kind of touched on this with uh, Max uh, last episode mm. about Nintendo coming out and saying like, hey, we revealed Metroid Prime 4 way too early. Bear with us yeah. while we're, you know, develop the game. Sure, while we, ma- <laughs> while we make it worth releasing. Sure. And uh, the comment section, I, comments might have been turned off, but like for a lot of um, like posts on Reddit and stuff like mm. that, um, people were pretty understanding. That's good. Which was surprising to me. Right. I wonder how much of that has to do with it being a Nintendo fan base, which not to that. like be too cliche, but like the Nintendo fan base has always been younger or for the people in the fan base that aren't younger, they're generally reasonable adults. Right. They're pretty chill. Like, yeah. And I think a big part of it has to do with Nintendo's track record as far as like getting games out on time. Right. And like making good games. Sure. So people are like, oh, it's a delay. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Ra- rather they be honest about it and take longer to make a good game. Right. Than rush it and be EA and release a half finished game and then make us pay for the rest of the game in a dlc later exactly and i think that that's kind of the precedent that like has been set as far as like early access games and ea and other developers like that Mm. where it's like release a broken buggy mess for 60 dollars, and then if you want it to get fixed you can wait six months for a patch Mm -hmm. or you can buy this dlc that fixes everything for 30 dollars. right and that's bullshit another practice that i don't really like Mm. is um reskinning the game and selling it again next year yeah uh, (laughs) fair yes uh and ubisoft has kind of pulled their head out of their ass a little bit with assassin's creed see i fell off the assassin's creed wagon oh i did too what a long long time ago after brotherhood like oh yeah like I, I have Assassin's Creed Black Flag for Xbox 360 still in the plastic. <laughs> you've told me that before. Like, you've told I, me that I like got, a year ago. <laughs> I got that, and I got it at, like, when I got that Xbox 360, right. like, mid-high school. Yeah. I'm 22. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, I don't know. You've, we've seen more unique Assassin's Creed games come out. Mm. Uh, I haven't really gone back to them. Me either. Just because, I don't know. They've kind of solved the reskinning, but it still suffers from a lot of, like, the classic problems that Assassin's Creed did, right. which is, like, you just do the same thing for the entire game. Right. Um, and, I mean, if you like Assassin's Creed, that's fine. Right. If you enjoy the gameplay, what have you. Yeah. Buy Assassin's Creed. Yeah. There was a good, good solid few years where they were just churning out Assassin's Creed 3 over and over and over again mm. with a different skin. There, are, I, I feel like that's a reasonable thing as a consumer base to have an issue with, you know? Yeah. Um, like, I, I don't think ever, like, just being a huge dick or, like... 
I think the only like game developer that we can be shitty to on social media is EA because they super deserve it. But right. like everyone else, like I don't think it accomplishes much in any other situation. Exactly. To be a shitty consumer because it's not going to make the game come out faster, and if it does, you're not going to be happy with it. Exactly. Whenever studios delay games, it's because they are trying to make a better product. Right. Um, and then whenever they don't delay games and they get released. They're shitty, buggy messes. Right. I.e. Fallout 76. Right. And well, here's we all knew that was going to be bad. Yeah. We all knew oh, it was yeah. going to be bad. And the, what was it? Uh, Doom on the, the mobile game? Not Doom. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, I know what you're talking about. Diablo. Diablo. Yes, yeah. not Doom. Diablo. But yeah, so like the whole, uh, the, the, yep. the famous quote of, what, do you guys not have phones? Exactly. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Like, there's that, some, I don't that's know. just out of touch, having no idea what your consumer base is. Oh, yeah. At all. That's a great point, especially talking about Blizzard, because there was um, one point, like, a few years ago, whenever uh, they shut down, like, the most popular private server for mm-hmm. World of Warcraft, and it was just classic WoW. It was vanilla WoW. And I remember that as somebody who didn't play WoW. I yeah. remember that happening. It was, yeah, it was a... It, it was, was a big deal. It was a big deal. Yeah. And so then at, like, a BlizzCon or something like that, somebody was like, well, since you shut down that private server, do you ever have plans of bringing back vanilla WoW? And they were like, no. You think you want that, but you don't want that. And they got so many boos. It sure. was hilarious watching that. And then especially them backpedaling years later whenever uh, WoW Classic's about to come out. Right, sure. <laughs> um, and everybody's hyped for it. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to get another WoW subscription and play it for a few months. Because, like, sure. I love Classic WoW. Sure. If, if it scratches the RPG itch, it scratches the RPG itch. Exactly. There's some repeat offenders as far as developers oh, go. Of course. Um, I think that Blizzard Activision is kind of riding that line. They yeah. make some quality games, mm-hmm. but um, they also have some shitty policies every once in a while. I, yeah, that's fair. I agree. I think it's important to remember that uh, a lot of video games are an art form, um, both right. and if, think, remembering that as a consumer and a developer. As a developer, you want to make a piece of art that you're happy to put on display. Uh, as a consumer, you have to understand that this is like an important piece of work that is like being worked on right like yes it's a product for you to consume but at the same time like there are people that are emotionally invested in the creation of this thing that you want yeah and i don't know there there is like an emotional balance that has to be held there i guess i definitely feel you and i think that a lot of the time the issue isn't the developer that oh yeah a lot of the time developers understand that it's the publisher right and we run into like a lot of issues with that whenever it's like a game made by ubisoft right or something like that or like ea where it's like, oh yeah, this is just a cash grab. Like it's obvious. Right. Well, like if we if we jump back to the stadia real quick, I remember one of the comments being like, and it sounded very much like infomercial type ad, but regardless, still the statement being you know like designed and made by game developers, right? You know, rather than game dev- it's like we had this idea as people who know nothing about video games and then hired a team of devs and told them to figure it out, right? Yeah, you, you know. I don't know. So, so assuming that that wasn't just an ad ploy, like just reading off the script right. kind of thing, those are when good games happen. Yeah, I guess when developers get to develop a game. Right. Except for you know, like exceptions like No Man's Sky, rest in peace. Exactly. Uh, but, but like we, we we can pretend that didn't happen. I think the biggest beauty of uh, of PC gaming, the biggest thing that's accomplished, I feel like, is that it's brought indie games out of the woodwork yes. like a lot. And so now we see like indie games being being brought to console. By these developers who are, you know, small indie sure. developers right. who don't have a publisher breathing down their back right. or breathing down their neck while they're working on these games. And so we've seen masterpieces come out. Subnautica. Right, Subnautica. Subnautica was – I started playing Subnautica back in the beta. And, like, I was like, this is a cool, really fun game. And it just exploded. I right. Mean, this is Sub-Zero – like, Below Zero is out now. Like, yeah. they have a second game. They went from, like, $15 beta indie game to, like – 
made a pardon my pun a huge splash <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and like we see that with a ton of games coming out now like super meat boy yep. shovel knight undertale like all yep. of these indie games that have been ported to you know every console and the console before it yep. they're gonna go down in history some of the best games of our era because they they just they've got that charm like exactly. that thing yeah. that su- that the games have and then the games that don't stick around don't have right they have so much more going on for them than like big triple a games with like millions of dollars oh, yeah. invested into it at True Combo, we do uh, Ready, Set, Replay. We go back and we replay games that we've played before. Kind of a, uh, a look back and see how well games have aged uh, and what they kind of did for their franchise or for the industry as a whole. Uh, so this week, we played Pokemon Coliseum. Uh, Nick, what was your first experience at Pokemon Coliseum? So, okay, I have a very personal and way back relationship with this game. Lay it on me. Um, so, uh, Sister Game, if if you don't know, is Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness. Mm -hmm. Also a GameCube game. It's the same, like, sort of fundamental format as Colosseum. When I first got my GameCube, and it was my first console ever, it's a Pokemon XD-themed GameCube, and it came with a copy of Pokemon XD. Right. And being an already, Pokemon being my number one favorite game, like, at that time, it was almost all I I had played at that point. Um, I, of course, like, ate that game up. And when I realized that Pokemon Colosseum was the same kind of game and was the prequel to right. XD, I immediately got that and played through it. So it was super early in my, like, gaming console years. Right. Like, elementary school. Oh, yeah, Like, same. young. Yeah. Um, you know, played it whatever. Wasn't super great at it because they're pretty hard in terms of Pokemon games. Right. Um, but, like, ended up beating them, whatever. Great game. Didn't touch them for a long time. Remembered they existed in high school. Played through them again in high school. Um, and then I actually played through Pokemon XD last year for a third time on yeah. an emulator. Um. And so this would make, for this one, Coliseum my third time as well. So yeah, I love these games. Oh, yeah. I, I, I like them, too. Of course, like, you know, with any older game, there's going to be some stuff about them that doesn't age that well. Yes. Um, but I think that, like, some of the high notes for it is, like, it's a very, like, fresh take on Pokemon. Oh, yeah. Because, like, it, there's no gems. You're just nope. following your own story. Yep. And the region it's that it's so set in. It's so plot-oriented. Right. Yeah. The region that it's set in, uh, the ore region, is so much unlike anything that we've seen right. from, like, the Pokemon world. Because and, travel isn't a thing. Right, yeah, it's just like, oh, you're in this city, you're in that city. You fast tra- it's just fast travel. There's right. no routes or yeah. anything. And, like, the, I don't know, just, like, the idea that it's in a desert, like, wasteland almost mm-hmm. is just really cool in a Pokemon sure. world. It's it's not, like, um, dystopian or apocalyptic in any way. Right. But it does feel post-something. Yeah. It's, like, I don't know, it's, like, a it's a very, like, impoverished area. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. Another thing about it is, like, it's, it's double battles only. Only. And so, like, uh, that brings in a lot of like interesting mechanics mm. uh, as far as like i don't know and in the traditional main series games it, it's single battle pretty much for the it, most for, part yeah for for all the story you know every once in a while you're They're, gonna run to a trainer with a double battle or like in a third gen uh in the moss deep gym uh right. the twins are a double battle for a gym which is wild and had never happened yeah. before so there are a couple like random instances yeah like i feel that. like one-offs but but um, it's not a super primary and then later they got into like triple battles and rotation battles yeah, was, and stuff that and that's whatever but anyway um pokemon call and uh i don't know does gale of darkness i never played gale of darkness is gale of darkness single or double Double. it's the same it's, okay it's like the same format and it happens in the same region right so just having double battles like that opens it up to like a lot more unique play styles mm-hmm. because like moves like helping hand and reflect and stuff like that are like, helpful they're yeah they're actually yeah. good in the story right uh and not just like competitive or whatever um, and that also kind of serves to increase the difficulty too. Correct. Because because um, the AI doesn't suck. Yeah, the AI is actually like they have like tactics that they use. Oh yeah. Like I I ran into one and it was like 
enemy Pokemon would use Protect, and the other one would use and Earthquake. A, a, yeah, a sweet move of some sort. Yeah. Right, and so, like, it damages both my Pokemon. Both yep. of them get off scot-free, and then, like, I've ran into, like, a few, like, status sweepers. So, yep. like, they'll, like, charm or paralyze or sleep both of my Pokemon, and yep. then they'll have a sweeper just go in and kill them. Yep. Yeah, no, it is... I think easily one of the hardest XD and Coliseum more so than XD. It got a little easier in XD because when I went back and played Coliseum after yeah. XD, it was harder noticeably. Right. Um, but I think that's also true in like the main line of games. You can go back and like, there are things that yeah. are exceptionally difficult for, for bad game design reasons in right. the early games. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because there are so many moves in Pokemon that are specifically obviously meant for double battles. Right. Um, like, Helping Hand has literally no use yeah, in, in a single battle. Things like Reflect and Light Screen are still helpful, but right. they're even more helpful, like, in, in double battle. Right. Um, so, I, and it's, and, you know, your starters being Umbreon and Espeon, both of them knowing Helping Hand right. when you start the game. Yeah. Like, Super cool. <laughs> it, 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 it's just it's a super neat mechanic because yeah. in double battles you have to think way more. Oh yeah, way more about um, what's going on. So now that we've kind of discussed like you know the pros of it, mm -hmm. I want to kind of get into like the the cons of like the game and you know what we've noticed playing it again. Mm -hmm. The first thing that I noticed is that battles take forever. Yes, uh, and that's I, that's kind of virtue of it being double battles only, mm -hmm. and also the fact that like. This is one of the first true 3D Pokemon games, Correct. Uh, like with a story and everything. And so, like, it was on the GameCube, which at its time was praised for, like, you know, graphics. And sure. so you can really tell that they played that up in these moves because the particle effects are insane. They're, yeah, they look good. To the point where there are sometimes frame drops. Right. Yeah. They, I don't know. They, they look great, yeah. but it's like every time you're going to sit through like 15 yeah, seconds of you, an attack. And, and the thing is like for let's talk about multi-hit moves, earthquake or surfer stuff like that. It's oh, not God. like surf doesn't happen once and everybody gets hit. It's you watch the surf animation happen and hit one pokemon. Start yeah. over. You watch the entire surf animation again to hit the next po like yep. and if you know if it's not a protect sweet move combo, you got to watch that 3 times and that was one turn. Yeah, or that exactly. was one move of the turn. They got three more pokemon to go. Right. Yeah, it just it it takes forever. That that kind of like messed up the pacing of the game a little bit for me. Because otherwise, it feels pretty fast paced because of the whole there isn't travel between cities and it's just fast travel from point to point. It's like plot line, plot line, plot line. You're right. constantly progressing through this story. There's yeah. no like, all right, I got a little chunk of story with Team Aqua. And now I'm gonna go beat two gyms and wander around and catch a bunch of Pokemon for two hours of right. gameplay. Oh, and then Team Aqua popped back up. Exactly. Like it never stops. It's constant plot progression. Yeah. Um, because there's no farming there's no wild pokemon hunting to do yeah there, there's... and that was the that was the other thing is um like snagging pokemon for those who haven't played either of these games uh it works the same in both you you um essentially catch other trainers pokemon but they're like kind of corrupted they have like a dark aura about them they're shadow pokemon they've been um, the way the game describes it is they've had quote the doors to their hearts artificially closed yep, quote which is uh belongs perfectly in kingdom hearts oh yeah absolutely uh, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um but you catch them and then you uh, battle with them until you can take them to like this little like statue fountain thing and they're cured and purify them essentially right. back to regular Pokemon. Um, so you're, they also you're doing know, good. They know like shadow moves and stuff. They're yeah. supposed to be like evil fighting machines essentially made by the bad team, Team Cipher. Right. You know, it's um, the plot point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that being said, since there's no wild battles, there's only like 48 Pokemon that you can Ish. catch, something like that. Yep. Um, and so like it's not. I feel like that kind of like drops off on replay value a little bit. It does for me. My in the past few playthroughs, I've approached the game uh, from a hundred percent perspective of sure. I catch every shadow Pokemon. Oh yeah, I try to um, also. Just because it's 
it's one of the few Pokemon games where catching them all is actually a reasonable feat. Right. It can happen in one playthrough without yeah. having to backtrack. And this leads perfectly into, we can talk about the heart gauge and the yeah. actual purification process. And it's kind of weird. Like, yeah. I think... I understand, so basically, it's like, instead of any XP bar, you got the shadow gauge, and you're supposed to get it down to empty, and then right. you can purify, and you can, the gauge goes down after every battle, it goes up a little bit if the Pokemon faints, yep. so if you let it get its ass kicked, it gets mad at you, I mean, duh, um, and so you gotta get it down to zero, but then there's this weird thing, hyper mode, Yep. and so... And for the longest time, I didn't know what caused hyper mode. It was seemingly random to me. Um, that's, yeah, that's what I thought it was. Um, it's when you use the move Shadow Rush, there is a chance for hyper mode to be triggered. Ah. And from what I could tell reading the wiki, it seems like only Shadow Rush. Okay. There are a lot of other shadow moves. It yeah. seems odd to me that hyper mode is a universal, like, shadow Pokemon experience. Yeah. And... If you don't know, hyper mode is essentially your Pokemon goes into, like, this emotional tizzy and won't listen to you and also will hurt itself at the end of every turn. And you make it stop by, you have an option to call your Pokemon. Yeah. Which, if you call a shadow Pokemon in hyper mode, it comes back to its senses. If you call any other Pokemon, it just raises their accuracy by a stage, which makes no sense to me. Yeah. And that is one of my issues <laughs> and things that hasn't aged well. It feel like It feels like a really forced mechanic. Sure. I understand what they were going for with hyper mode, but it feels like they really elbowed it into the game. Yeah, like, I can see that. Because, I, I don't know, the, I feel like there should be more, a m bigger variety of ways to lower the heart gauge. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. But I also realize that in the context of the game, that's difficult when you have such a plot-oriented, like... Yeah. So, like, I'm not going to criticize too hard because of the time, and, like... Yeah, obviously. They did a good enough job with it, but I yeah. feel like... The fact that I didn't know until two days ago when I bothered to look it up what the trigger for hyper mode was, which is like sort yeah. of a fundamental mechanic of purifying shadow Pokemon. The fact yeah. that I didn't know how it happened or any of that to this day is, I think, enough said that like that mechanic could be relooked at, I yeah. think. Um, all right, Nick, final notes. Would you recommend this game? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, just if just don't go to it with the mindset of expecting it to be X and Y. Yeah, I think that if you wanna if you wanted to experience this game today and you've never played it before, I would recommend it. Yep. And I would say, um, honestly, this is one of the few games that I would recommend playing on an emulator rather than GameCube. Yep. And the reason why is because if you load it up in Dolphin, then um, you're gonna be able to like change the resolution. Yep. Make it not so you know blurry. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's still still gonna be like polygons, sharp edges, but that's fine. Sure. You it's can, GameCube. Right. You can um, you can make it less blurry. Uh, you can also speed it up. And I yes. think that that's something that you're going to want to do because like not, we said, not all the time, but like right. there'll be some battles where you're like, oh my God, I'm so tired of fighting these grunts over and over right. again. Let's just go. Yeah. So um, overall, I would recommend the game. Yeah. Solid game in terms of like older games that are not like actively in the market anymore. A solid seven and a half out of 10. All right, Nick, I think that that's all we have time for today. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much. I hope that you'll join us again. Yeah, man. Anytime. It was a great time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. True Combo releases bi-weekly every other Thursday. The next episode will be releasing on April 4th. Timothy Villalobos will be my guest, and we will be discussing the appeal of incremental games and how grinding can affect a player's attitude towards a game's environment. Our Ready, Set, Replay will be Goof Troop for the Super Nintendo. If you like this episode, tell a friend, and don't forget to rate us on iTunes, follow us on Spotify, and on Twitter, at TrueComboCast. True Combo is produced by Dryer Sock Productions. Check out our other shows, Versus Extreme and Story Sodic, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I want to give a special thanks to Jess Adams for designing the cover art for True Combo and to MK Ultra for allowing us the use of our theme song, Tears in the Rain. I'm Marcus Driscoll. Thank you for listening. See you later, Skipper. Brought to you by Dryer Sock Productions. Pop that pizza pie in the oven, baby. We're about to start a podcast.